podcast, Love God and Your Neighbor. I am Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama, and I'm so happy you're here today. Joining us in the worship service is the music team, Gerald Roberts, director of music on keyboard, Annie Ingram on trumpet and percussion, and Jason Wright, our soloist and worship leader. It's a joy to get to do these podcasts with them because they are so fun, and I'm really thankful that they share their talents with us. Today, we are finishing up our Lenten sermon series, God, Godspell, and Grace. And I sincerely hope that the message of grace that the scriptures have brought to us over the Lenten season have been inspiring to you. If you haven't heard all of them, feel free to go back and listen. The series begins with the need for grace. Now, I'm pretty excited about something that's going to happen in our church soon. And I'm thinking many of you can probably guess what that is. If you're a member of our congregation, you've probably gotten your letter already explaining what's about to happen. We're going to be worshiping in the sanctuary from next Sunday on. Starting on Palm Sunday, March 28th, we will be back inside. Of course, we'll be wearing masks. We've got the sanctuary taped off so you can only sit in certain places, but we will be together. And our music will be live and it will be beautiful. So I'm so excited. I want to thank all of you who have sent in donations to First Christian Church in Anniston. Your offerings are a blessing and appreciated by us as well as by God. We would not be here if it weren't for the tithes and offerings of our faithful givers like you. So if you feel so moved today, please consider giving to God through us. You can either go to our webpage, www.fccanniston.org, scroll down to the very bottom of the page and click the Donate Now button. PayPal is the only functioning donation option for the time being. Otherwise, you can donate by sending a check to First Christian Church to 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama, 36207. And you can find that written in the About This episode section of the podcast. Now, I invite you to gather your elements for communion, bread or crackers, juice or wine, and to light a candle. Let us welcome in the light of Christ as we come to the Lord with adoration and love. Pause this recording while you go and get what you need. And now let us immerse ourselves into God's gracious love. Feel the Holy Spirit in your midst. Welcome the peace of God into your hearts and give thanks for the grace given to us by the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer of all life. Let's sing together in celebration our song of praise, Christ Be Our Light.
Scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 39 through 51. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then the angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Judas to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this, and he touched his ear and healed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. We have talked a lot about grace during this season of Lent, both in our worship gatherings and in our Bible study. We've talked about why people need grace, grace for average people living average lives. And we've talked about how God wants us to offer grace to those in our lives. 
But one thing we haven't really talked about yet is how completely irrational grace is. It is absolutely ridiculous, in fact, and it makes no sense to a rational mind. What does make sense? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. What goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. These concepts make sense because they go along with the laws of physics. They fit into the natural order of things. It makes sense that if someone slaps you for no reason, you would then in turn slap them back. It makes sense. Well, it makes you even, right? If someone steals from you, they should be required to either return the thing that was stolen or repay you for the value of the item. And if someone kills a person, then they should lose their life. These all make sense. Another thing that makes sense is Jesus's reaction to his impending sacrifice in our scripture today. Up until now, Jesus has been stoically resolved to his mission, seemingly unbothered by what he is called to do for all of humanity. In the way he has spoken to his disciples up until now, you could almost believe that he had no problem with the idea of suffering simply because he would be resurrected three days after his death. While he talked about it as a miraculous thing that would happen, he didn't seem to be all that concerned about how hard it would be for him until now. In this moment in the garden, we see Jesus stripped down, raw, emotional, and quite simply, terrified. Now he begs and pleads for his life and does not want to do what has to be done to bestow grace upon the world. He's so intensely afraid and stressed out that he sweats blood out of his pores, which is a real thing. This is something I think every human being can relate to, you know, not the blood coming out of your pores situation, but the stress, the fear, the anguish, because no one wants to experience what Jesus experienced. No one wants to suffer the way Jesus suffered. No one wants to sacrifice what Jesus sacrificed. Begging to be freed from his obligations and commitments is something any human being would do in similar circumstances. And so it is in this moment that we can actually see just how much God truly loves us. Because in spite of his intense fear and anxiety over what he's going to do, Jesus does it anyway. Jesus resolves himself to the reality that there is no other way to save his people. There is no other way to take away our sins without causing us to suffer as well. There is no other way to pave a way for humanity into God's eternal presence. <clears throat> and there is no other way. And Jesus loves us too much to allow us to suffer in our sins any longer. A couple of weeks ago in my communion meditation, I quoted an interview with Bono, the lead singer of U2, who talked about the fact that grace is the opposite of karma. The idea that what you do, what you put out into the world comes back to you. He said that grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions. And that's just it, isn't it? Grace is love. Grace is something that comes out of pure selfless love, which is what we get from God. God's love is on a level that we will never understand, isn't it? 
I mean, we can relate to a parent being willing to take a bullet for their child. Most of us probably would do that for at least one person we know in this world. At least we would all say that there is someone we would do that for. But can we relate to Jesus's willingness to die for people who are selfish? Can we relate to Jesus's willingness to die for people who behave in evil ways? Can we relate to Jesus's willingness to die for the crowd that comes to arrest him? Can we relate to Jesus's willingness to die for the members of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders who conspired to have him killed simply because he threatened their power? Can we relate to Jesus dying for the crowds that cried for his crucifixion? To Jesus dying for the soldiers who beat him, tortured him, and nailed him to a cross, all the while making fun of him? Can we understand that kind of love? Of course not, because it makes no sense. It would seem ridiculous to us if we were asked to do such a thing for our enemies. And yet, that is what God did for us. And so we can see just how intensely God loves us and how powerful grace is in our lives and in the fabric of creation itself. Bill Thomas, the author of Surrounded by Grace, a Bible study for Lent, which is the Bible study we've been doing all season. Well, he says that for grace to be grace, there has to be a sacrifice. Something has to be given, which is unmerited or unearned. And then he goes on to tell this story. The mother of a nine-year-old boy named Mark received a phone call in the middle of the afternoon. It was the teacher from her son's school. Mrs. Smith, something unusual happened today in your son's third grade class. Your son did something that surprised me so much that I thought you should know about it immediately. Well, Mark's mom began to worry, of course, and the teacher continued, nothing like this has happened in all my years of teaching. This morning, I was teaching a lesson on creative writing. Now, just like I always do, I tell the story of the ant and the grasshopper. You know, the ant worked hard all summer and stores up plenty of food, but the grasshopper plays all summer and doesn't work. Well, the winter comes. The grasshopper begins to starve because he has no food. So he begins to beg. Please, Mr. Ant, you have much food. Please let me eat too. Then I said, boys and girls, your job is to write the ending to this story. And your son, Mark, raised his hand. Teacher, may I draw a picture? Well, yes, Mark, if you like, you may draw a picture. But first, you must write the ending to the story. And as in all the years past, most of the students said the ant shared his food through the winter, and both the ant and the grasshopper lived. A few children wrote, no, Mr. Grasshopper, you should have worked in the summer. Now I have just enough food for myself. Hence, the ant lived and the grasshopper died. But your son ended the story in a way different from any other child ever. He wrote, So the ant gave all of his food to the grasshopper. The grasshopper lived through the winter, but the ant died. In the picture he drew, at the bottom of the page, Mark had drawn three crosses. To understand grace is to understand that in order for something to be given for nothing, a price had to be paid. Mark understood that. 
In order for the grasshopper to live, the ant had to make a sacrifice. In order for fallen man to live, Jesus, the son, had to make a sacrifice. The Gospel of Luke says, Then Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. I personally think that the important phrase here is this, yet not my will be done, but yours. In his humanity in this moment, Jesus, the Son of God, and at the same time, God with us, Emmanuel, essentially wrestles with himself. The human and the divine struggle with the reality of what God wants to do, and in the end, God's will wins out. And while God's will caused Jesus intense pain and suffering, while God took on the sins of the world and experienced our suffering for us, God's will was still the absolute best option in the big picture. Because in the end, every human being on earth has the chance to receive God's grace, made possible by Jesus' willingness to die for us. Not my will, but yours be done. God's grace extends far beyond that moment in history when God chose to sacrifice himself for us. Because God is still walking with us each and every day of our lives, listening to us, holding us up when we can't do it on our own, guiding us in our decisions when we choose to listen, and helping us through even the hardest moments in life. This is grace, extended well beyond the grave and into eternity. And all we have to do is trust that God's grace is with us always, even when all the evidence seems to prove that God isn't with us at all. And that in itself is also ridiculous, isn't it? It doesn't make any sense to trust in someone we can't see, whose voice we can't really hear, and who at times seems to have completely abandoned us. But Jesus also felt abandoned by God, perhaps there in the garden, definitely on the cross that day when he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, feeling something to be true does not make it true. And when you feel God is absent, that is the time when God is working harder than ever to take care of you. It doesn't make sense, does it? Well, it's true that faith faith forces you to live in the gray area, to become comfortable with the paradox that is God, to be comfortable with ambiguity. Faith forces us to give up control of our lives, which in and of itself is an irrational thing to do. But when we do give up control, when we do accept God's grace, when we do bend to the will of God, even though it feels as if we're tumbling out of control, we are safer than ever before. We are wrapped in the loving arms of God who says, don't worry, I've got this. I know this to be true because I've lived it in so many insanely varied ways. 
I've experienced that feeling of free fall when you step out in faith and trust God to catch you. I've experienced God's forgiveness when I have messed up badly. I've experienced what it feels like to land on two feet only to realize that there was a plan all along, a perfect plan with the perfect outcome. I've experienced how it feels to let go of my anger and resentment and to forgive someone who doesn't deserve it simply because God asked me to. And you know what? It feels liberating, like an enormous weight has been lifted from my shoulders. I've experienced God's grace, and I know without a doubt that as ridiculous as it may seem to my human brain, God is with me no matter what. God loves me, and God loves you as well. God loves us in ways that we may never understand, and God's love leads us into a place of grace and mercy and peace like nothing else can. I encourage you to give up any doubts that you have, you have to allow yourself to trust in the Lord for all things. Have you ever participated in a trust fall? You know, it's that thing that they do at corporate retreats and church camp low ropes courses and in other group building moments. Many times you stand in the middle of a circle made up by your peers. They stand tightly <clears throat> around you while you close your eyes and cross your arms over your chest. And then you just fall backwards. Ideally, the group catches you and does not let you hit the ground. Well, imagine yourself standing on a high cliff with your back to the abyss below. Imagine crossing your arms over your chest and closing your eyes. Imagine yourself allowing yourself to fall backwards and believing, knowing that God is going to catch you. And then imagine God's enormous hands reaching out and plucking you out of danger. Faith in God is the most intense trust fall you could ever do. Far more risky than any trust fall you might do in a corporate retreat or at church camp. And yet the feeling of safety you get when God catches you is beyond anything you will ever feel in this world. That's what the grace of God feels like. Jesus' sacrifice was irrational. And yet it was the most powerful moment in the history of creation. And so we are all called by God to give up our attempt to control life. We are called to recklessly let go of the reins and trust God to take over. We are called by God to accept the insanely ridiculous grace that is being offered. And we are called by God to trust in that love, to live out that love from now on. Thank God for that ridiculous, irrational, amazing grace. Amen? Amen. Listen now to the musical meditation, which is the finale from the Broadway musical, Godspell. I'm bleeding Oh God 
I'm bleeding Oh God, I'm bleeding Oh God, I'm I'm dead Long live God 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 Throughout this Lenten season, we have walked with Jesus through temptation and trial all the way to the cross. We have experienced sacrifice and loss. We have received grace and love along the way. We have come to the Lord's table set for us by Jesus the Christ, and we can't help but reflect on all that brought us here. We look down at this meal and we see bread broken like Christ's body when he suffered his beatings and the crucifixion. And we see the cup filled with the red juice of grapes, juice that looks like blood, Jesus's blood shed during that terrible day. We reflect on what it took for Jesus to let that happen. 
the anguish he felt just in the anticipation of what was to come. We think about the pain that he must have felt when his own people lied and schemed to have him killed simply because he challenged their positions of power. We think about how betrayed he must have felt with his own people when his own people called for him to be crucified, when they chose a known criminal to go free instead of Jesus. Yes, the communion meal is one of somber reflection on just how much God's grace costs. And we bow our heads in humble gratitude for the love that has been given so generously. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. <clears throat> Please pray with me. Gracious Lord, we come to you today at once filled with horror for what you went through on our behalf and intense gratitude to you for loving us as much as you do. We ask you to forgive us of our sins as we eat at your table. Help us to be vessels for your love, like the chalice on your table. Fill us to the point of overflowing and use us to spread your love into the world. Amen. Come and eat. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ the cup of salvation. Now let us think about all that God has done for us as we sing our communion hymn in the garden.
Join me in the Litany of Remembrance, which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. And now, my friends, go from this time of worship with the image of Jesus kneeling in the garden and praying. Remember his anguish over what he was called to do and walk in humble gratitude that God would do something so incredibly unreasonable as to die for you. You are loved more than you can possibly know. Go in peace.